Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about their interior lives. And over the past year and a half, we've introduced you to a team of psychologists and psychiatrists. And as we begin deeper discussions with our listeners, it became clear to me that we absolutely needed to hear from social workers. Dr. Rhonda Wells-Wilbin has been a social work educator for 25 years, teaching at the undergraduate, master's, and PhD level. She's an author, psychotherapist, trainer, and holistic wellness coach. And she has expertise working with adult survivors of sexual abuse and assault and financial planning. She's the mother of two young adult sons who are both in graduate school. Rhonda, I can't tell you how absolutely thrilled I am to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about your journey into social work. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting. I started off as an undergraduate student at Michigan State. I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. And then I quickly realized I didn't really want to be inside of people's heads. Like I really wanted to help people <laughs> without getting Hilarious. inside their heads. <laughs> so That's I switched awesome. to social work. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I switched to social work. <laughs> it, it is, um, it's really clear. And I just want to share a personal experience if you didn't have much time to read up on me. I'm, I was trying trained as an investigative journalist. And 12 years ago, um, my late husband started having some really difficult time managing his work and his stress level and sleeping. And we got caught up in the whole psychiatric um, inpatient system and he ended up dying by suicide. And I often tell people when I'm speaking now, Rhonda, that I think if I had known now what I know about what social workers do, which is to help untangle very complicated social problems, that we might have been better off just to reach out to a social worker. I really believe that. Oh, that's an interesting thought. And the thing that's so interesting is people believe that psychiatrists and psychologists see clients for therapy. And actually, social workers see more people for therapy than either one of those professions. And so those of us who have decided to be clinicians are actually pretty good at that. And we also understand a lot of the social structure things that people often don't realize that we know. You know, um, and I do a lot in suicide prevention. And one of the things I always notice is the increasing number of people whose loved ones say, my husband or my son or my daughter didn't have a mental health diagnosis. They had real financial problems. They just lost their job. They, they didn't know where they were going to get help to feed their families. And so we've got to start taking these very real social concerns way more seriously in terms of where we send people when they're in dire need of help, especially given how few psychologists and psychiatrists there are for the need. That is so true. I mean, that is absolutely true. And the thing is, is that we never know what's going to send someone into a crisis. And people often don't know themselves. You know, a crisis is a crisis because it's unexpected. You know, it throws us off balance and people, it just happens. And it's really beyond our control. And I think a lot of times people make assumptions that you can control these kind of things and you can until you can't. <laughs> That's exactly, boy, you can until you can't. That is quotable. So tell me a little bit about your background, Rhonda. Where were you raised? What kind of family were you in? What's your spiritual background? Oh, wow. That's interesting. So I come from a blue collar family in a place that everybody knows called Flint, Michigan, actually. Wow. Um, yeah. So and I still have family there. I still go there a couple of times a year. I went to Michigan State for undergraduate, as I, but I started off in psychology, went to um, social work, and then I just decided to continue in social work. 
moved to the D.C. area to go to graduate school at Howard University, and I earned my master's and doctorate there, and it's just kind of the rest has been history. I didn't know I wanted to be an educator, but the more that I understood different things and I saw the world in a particular way that I thought was very helpful, I wanted to train other people to see the world the way that I did. Mm. And so I think that's the reason that I became an educator, because I said, well, if I can reproduce the, the way that I see things, then perhaps I can have a, a broader impact and so yeah it's so beautiful it. when you say that I wanted people to see the world the way that I do how do you see the world Rhonda you know I just see the world full of a lot of possibility no matter what the situation is I mean even right now I've been on some panels and things and and I'm pretty frustrated with our country right now just like most people are but even in that space when others were being um, upset I was talking about righteousness and I was talking about appealing to people's humanity mm. because you know that's the space I'm in in my own personal life and I think that something happens to you when you become a parent and so prior to being a parent perhaps I would have been able to um, feel like I could afford to be angry and put my you know you know decide not to do anything but I feel like as a parent like I want to leave my kids a world where they can, you know, be happy in. And the only way that that can happen is if we do things right now to ensure that, you know, for them. And so, yeah, I mean, I lean into my faith and you asked me about that in the initial question. And I mean, I, I'm very much a faith um grounded person i am spiritual as well as religious mm -hmm. sometimes you hear people say you know they're religious and not spiritual or they're spiritual and not religious i am both yeah and i understand the distinction between the two of course. and i lean into my spirituality as well as my religion you know to help um you know to help keep me grounded and help keep me together well i first want to begin with um in previous conversations that we've had especially um with black psychologists or psychiatrists they talk about about a reluctance in the black community to seek out care. Is there that same sort of reluctance to um, include the care and the advice of a social worker? Oh, absolutely. You know, people are very reluctant. Um, even to, um, even though I think they're more comfortable with people who they feel look like them and perhaps may have had some similar experiences, but even so, they're still very reluctant um, at fear. You know, fear that something will happen beyond their control. Um, you know, fear that um, they may overexpose things. They may not, you know, trust. And, you know, it's a big factor. And so, yeah, we, we see a lot of that. But we also see a lot of people who don't have an option because their situation is so devastating mm. that they don't have an option but to reach out for support. And I would say that probably is one of the biggest distinctions with social workers versus the other two, because we do deal a lot with people who are disadvantaged economically and socially. And so that is really the niche, I think, that we have in terms of dealing with um, populations that they get into situations where they just don't have any other choice but to seek help. 
talk to me about how one finds a social worker? Because I know that even for people that are seeking out, you know, assistance through counseling, um, it can be a gauntlet. You, you have a difficult time finding someone who matches your insurance. If you don't have insurance, it's even more hard. So how are you having people find the kind of worker and the type of expert that you are? Well, it's interesting you asked that question because I actually am working on an app with another colleague to help make those matches um, wow. more feasible for people. It is very client focused, whereas a lot of things in mental health have been very, um, very professionally focused. Right. And so we're coming from a client perspective to help match them with the resources that they need. But even, you know, without that, um, social workers, uh, we have a, we say that we have a slogan in my school of social work, this uh, social workers are everywhere. And we really are everywhere. And often we may not have a social work title, but we've had the social work education. Mm -hmm. And that education is so key for me because we, we, we learn about meeting people where they are. We learn about, you know, how important it is for the client to be in control of their own lives and you know about social justice and a lot of stuff that is just really, really important. And so, and we work in, I mean, we work everywhere. We really, really do. You can almost find a social worker, I mean, in any setting, hospitals, schools, the regular places like mental health and social services, um, but we're really everywhere. You mentioned um, social justice, and I think that that especially is a topic right now that's causing a lot of people um, internal anxiety, sleepless nights, wondering what the future is going to be, especially I live in Portland, Oregon, where there is a, an enormous amount of unrest and will only probably increase as we move into the November election. So what are you telling your clients about how to find a, a place of, of peace and of well-being even as we're going through these difficult and sometimes necessary changes? I mean, this is an unusual, of course, everybody knows this is an unusually difficult time. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic right. and social unrest. And then, you know, it's the ele an election. And so there is multiple things happening. And it, it is definitely an unusually stressful time, even for people who ordinarily may not get stressed. What we have to do and what we do is normalize people's situations because a lot of times we can get so absorbed into our own thoughts and feelings about things and we think that we're the only ones and so just recognizing that in whatever the situation is and clearly this particular situation we're all in this together you know i've seen different businesses have that in their windows slow like we're all in this together you know and we will come out of it you know successfully and so again i go back to being hopeful and so i encourage my clients to be hopeful that mm. you know you do things in the in the now to prepare and do whatever you need to do but you can't lose hope and you can't lose you know a vision for the ideal that we're, we're, we are going to get out of this. I think we're better than this. You know, mm -hmm. we're, 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 we're better than this. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about a, a client who perhaps has just been laid off, um, is, is very fearful about contracting COVID, um, has a few children, doesn't know whether or not they're going to be able to make it back to school, um, doesn't know really how to start looking for jobs because they don't know if they'll have childcare. Rhonda, the, the, multitude of social determinants that are up against people right now are almost overwhelming. So what do you do? Do you take them problem by problem? 
piece by piece, or do you look at it more holistically? Definitely uh, more holistically as much as possible. Um, and also, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of organizations and, and uh, of people from churches to uh, fraternal organizations and, you know, that people are coming together from food banks and clothing and things. And so I think that the resources are out there. Matching people with resources and being aware of what those resources are and they keep popping up because of the great need that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. So that, you know, you, you just said something that I think is spectacular because that's the difference between going into a social worker's office and going into a psychiatrist's office. A psychiatrist is not going to be able to get you a free telephone. They're not going to be able to, to match you with food stamps. A psychiatrist is not capable of untangling some of these very real stressors that are causing people a lot of mental distress. It's so funny because in Social Work 101, um, and I learned this at, at the bachelor's level, other people may learn it at the master's level because they may not have their undergraduate degree in social work. One of the very first assignments that I had in my social work course, and I've all, every, anytime I teach a beginning social work course, I always make sure I do this, and that there's, there was an assignment to learn the resources in the community. Mm. And so we are we're responsible for knowing what the resources are. And so anytime somebody comes to me for whatever, <laughs> if I don't have the answer, I tell them, I don't know, but I'll find out. So, I mean, that, and that's who social workers are. We, don't, we may not always have the answer right away, but it's something in how we've been trained that we make sure you get to where you need to go. And that's so we're beautiful. not going to leave you without, yeah, we're not going to leave you without a resource. Tell me one of the cases that you're most proud of, Rhonda. One of the cases I'm most proud of is I was working at the DC Rape Crisis Center and I had a client who had done very well and was almost getting ready to terminate. And so their time was up, but they also had done very well. And then they got re-triggered. Well, I literally started a private practice to help that one client. And then wow. I had a private practice for about eight years um, following that. And so that's probably one of my uh, greatest memories in terms of, because I never, like, again, I didn't want to be a psychologist. So I certainly didn't want to be a psychotherapist. And it's so funny at this phase of my career, that's mo most of the work that I'm doing is the very work that I didn't want to do as an <laughs> undergraduate student. But, you know, I, I learned all of the other stuff. And then I realized how important mental and emotional health is yeah and there aren't a lot of african-americans providing you know these services and especially working with very specialized populations as you meant um, um, my, one of my areas is child survivors of child sexual abuse and so there are not a lot of african-americans providing clinical services around that has zoom allowed you to reach a broader audience and telehealth um, because I can imagine, you know, you're in a metropolitan area, but there's a young black woman who's been sexually assaulted living in Portland, Oregon, that would love to have a black counselor, a black hand to help through this experience. And now can you be that person? The licensing boards have definitely lifted a lot of things that were hindering us from being able to provide broader services. We're not, we're not quite there yet. Um, but I think we will get there be, because it, it even has been difficult for many licensing boards to even accept telehealth 
as a legitimate, you know, form of health. Wow. Um, there were some mandates that you had to see people face to face. And so we're not quite where we can provide, you know, um, services to people across state lines. But I think we're going to get there. And when we get there, it will allow people to really have more choices that are best for them. Yeah. I love it. This was just an introductory to the great work that you're doing, Dr. Rhonda. So if someone is listening and they're like, you know, I never even realized that social workers did that. What kind of advice do you give young people that are thinking about a career in this area? Oh, one of the things um, that I, you know, people always want to help people. <laughs> and so I do definitely think that social work is a great field to help people. But the other thing I believe about social work is it really does also challenge you to make sure you're, you're clear about your own values, you're clear about who you are. So there's a lot of self-assessment mm. because in order to really be a good helper to other people, you really have to have good clarity about who you are. And so I think it's a great place to learn how to help other people in an ethical, you know, culturally sensitive kind of way, you know, and as well as really get in tune with um, yourself. And then one thing other that I think is so good about our profession, if you actually get an undergraduate degree in social work, it makes you eligible potentially to get your master's degree in one year. Oh, and that's are, fantastic. Yeah, there are wow. not very many professions that that is an option. So you can literally get a master's degree in one year with an oh undergraduate gosh. degree in social work. So. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait to talk to you. And I'm, I'm curious if you're as into these topics as I am. I really want to go into what is racial trauma and how does it show up? Um, especially for Black Americans. I, I'm super interested right now in what we can do to do our part in terms of social isolating, but also being as, as connected as we possibly can be and how that shows up, especially for Black clients right now. And also just around political messaging, what we can do to be more um, collaborative rather than everybody trying to talk about their their way being the right way. I think that these are topics, Dr. Rhonda, that you'll be terrific on. So I, I'm super excited for you to join the show. Well, I thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. It's so much to learn. It's so much to know. And I just think that this is great what you're doing, having, you know, mental health professionals come on and talk about wellness. It's just great. It's our jam. Dr. Rhonda, thank you so much. Dr. Rhonda is going to be with us every couple of weeks. So tune in. Remember, you can like us wherever you listen to podcasts and make it a great day. Bye.